Welcome to the New Hope Church Podcast, where reverence meets relevance. Pastor Benji has returned from his summer sabbatical, and we are currently in a six-part series titled The Circle Maker, based on and around the book by Pastor Mark Batterson. In this series, we'll discover that passionate prayer is a necessity to tap into God's extraordinary life. May God bless you as you enjoy this week's message by our senior pastor, Dr. Benji Kelly. Good morning. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for worshiping with us. And uh, what, did, what did we just say when Pastor Fuller ended his prayer? Amen. And amen means, some of you probably know this, so be it. So be it. So in a very real sense, when we finish our prayers with amen, we are actually saying it might be the end of my prayer, but it is the beginning of what you're going to do, God. It's the beginning of a journey. It's the beginning of God showing up. It's, it's, it's the way of saying, God, we trust you. We believe that this is the beginning of your work in our lives. Amen? Amen. So when I sat down this week on Tuesday, um, I had every preconceived notion and intent of ending this message series in a very celebratory, rip-roaring, you know, upbeat kind of way, come in here and preach, you know, God is able, amen, and God can move mountains, amen, and it was going to be awesome, and it was going to be, you know, we're just going to celebrate, we're going to leave here feeling really, really good. And then I made a mistake. Well, I made a mistake, and I decided to pray about it. And God said, Pastor, how are you going to leave a series on prayer and not address the big, fat, honking, white elephant in the room? How are you going to be a pastor who cares for your people and leave a series and not address the issue of unanswered prayer? He said, I have called you to hit the hard subjects. How dare you think that you're going to leave a series on prayer without talking about the reality that every single person in here has experienced? Like, watch this. How many of you, how many of you have ever experienced disappointment, let down, frustration, and might I even say anger with God because of some form of unanswered prayer? See, 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 see. And so how can we actually leave this series without talking about this big subject? And so I welcome you to the finale of The Circle Maker. Warm welcome to those of you at Central Campus. Warm welcome for those of you at the Garner Campus. Warm welcome to the ladies of the North Carolina Correctional Institute in Raleigh. Warm welcome to the Latino campus. Warm welcome to the Sanford campus who is worshiping over here today with us before we launch it over there next week. A warm welcome. Yeah, yeah. A warm welcome to the internet campus and those of you who watch this on the other side of the computer screen or the television screen, lean in. Grab your teaching notes. Please take notes. 
Because I promise you, if you don't need this now, beloved, you will need it. Let me tell you about some real people. There's a real woman here who says, I've been praying for over a decade for my husband to stop drinking. And he hasn't stopped. There's a young man who says, I've been praying for a job for five years. Earnestly, sincerely praying. And I haven't found it. There's a man who says, I've been praying for my wife's depression since a few years after we got married, nothing has changed. A college graduate who says, I've been praying for guidance, but no guidance has come. A dude who says, I've been praying for a godly wife, but I'm actually starting to think that God has possibly called me to live a life of loneliness. She said to me, I have prayed for God to remove the cancer of a loved one. But we buried that loved one too early. And I can join you and these folks here and tell you that I've been praying for my dad to get saved for 22 years. And he's no closer to Christ today than when I started praying for him 22 years ago. On and on and on the lamentations go. This monstrous subject of unanswered prayer. And to get at this daunting task today, I've actually decided to use an outline. And I've actually decided to walk you through four key things that will help you in your moment of unanswered prayer. Think about these. You won't even see them yet. I just want to say the statements and then I'm going to unpack them. If the request is wrong, the prayer request, if it's wrong, God will often say no. If the timing is wrong, God will often say, hey, beloved, slow down. If you are wrong, I know it's hard for you to imagine. <laughs> if you were wrong, if you were wrong, believe it or not, that's a distinct possibility for some of you. Chances are, God might say, grow. But if the request is right and the timing is right, chances are God will say, let's go. Now, I'm going to spend my remaining time with you today basically unpacking those things. Here's the first one if you've got your outline. If the prayer request is wrong, God will often say, write in the word, no. If the request is wrong, beloved, God will often say no. Now, because this is such a thick subject today, I'm actually going to give you lots of biblical examples. Is that cool? We can't study a topic like this without using biblical illustrations. I think they're the best illustrations anyway. But for those of you who know your Bible, think of Matthew 17. Matthew 17, the father has this glorious moment with Jesus on the top of a mountain. It's called the mountain of transfiguration. And Jesus is up there, and he's up there with three very famous disciples, Peter, James, and John. And they're up there with Jesus, and the father is communing with Jesus, and Jesus is with the father. And they call it the transfiguration because Jesus kind of 
illuminates, if you will, with the Shekinah glory of God. And it's incredible. And the disciples are blown away. And they did what you would do. They did what I would do. They say, hey, Jesus, this is pretty stinking cool. Let's pitch some tents. And let's tabernacle up here. Let's stay up here in your glory. The request was wrong. Jesus said, no. I didn't come to be up here on the mountain with just you three cats. We got to go back down. I got work to do in the trenches. When the request is wrong, God will often say no. I, I think about another place in the scripture, Mark chapter 10. And you know this, James and John. And James and John, they kind of pull Jesus away. They get him away from the crowd. Hey, Jesus, hey, hey, we, we, we want to make reservations for two. <laughs> Go read it, Mark chapter 10. Jesus, when you come into your glory... Hi, we got an idea, Jesus. How about if one of us sits on your right and one of us sits on your left? How, what do you say about that, Jesus? Just two. All we need is a reservation for two. The request was wrong. Jesus said, no. Do you, do you see the point that I'm trying to make? The Bible puts on display that the disciples, and that's you and that's me today, are fully capable of making wrong requests to God. And when we do, Jesus just says, no. The same as what was true 2,000 years ago is true today. You and I are capable of making wrong requests. I will make more in the future, I'm certain of it. And you will too. And our God, you need to write this one down. Our God loves us too much to say yes to a wrong request. He just loves us too much. Now some of you need Jesus because you haven't fallen in love yet with country music. You think that country music is all a bunch of twang twang. You know what you get to play country music backwards? You get your wife back, you get your truck back, you get your dog back, you get your house back. <laughs> it's really not true. That's not the kind of country music I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the twangy, twangy, you know, lay around and get drunk all day long kind of country music. But Garth Brooks, I might be showing my age here, but Garth Brooks wrote a great song. I think it was back in the 80s. Some of God's greatest gifts are what? Unanswered prayer. And if you start to understand that sometimes the problem is not God, sometimes the problem is me, and you start to understand that, you actually start to thank God for the fact that many of your prayers that you prayed were prayed with wrong motives, paternal, materialistic needs, prayers that are based around my comfort and my convenience, prayers that are based around what I think I need, and God, who is all-knowing and sovereign and loves me, some of the greatest things he ever does for me, hello, is to say no. To just, to just say no. A few, a few weeks ago, I shared the, the story of how we got this land. Y'all remember that story? And I shared how I walked up and down Fayetteville Road for years, years, knocking on these little homes, and nobody would sell any land, and it was just drying up. They, I thought the answer was no. And then I told you, remember how I went to the state fair? 
And the state fair, I met a guy in a line, and within two months we had signed on this piece of property. It was unbelievably a God thing. What I didn't tell you a few weeks ago is at that very same time, our core visionary team had found a piece of land out off of uh, 86, North 86 in Chapel Hill. Um, and it was out there by the landfill. And it was the most beautiful piece of land you've ever seen. I mean, gorgeous, rolling hills, unbelievable. We went out there, and we had a prayer team. We walked around it. We walked around. People were walking around out on the land with hands raised, praising God. Give us the land. This is it. They'd come back to me with tears, and they're like, this is it. It's awesome. (laughs) It didn't happen. (laughs) We got this, and guess what? I've been out there a few times because I go that way sometimes. And when, and when the wind is blowing just right, you know what I'm saying? The land pew-wee, if you know what I mean. It's a good thing that God didn't give us that prayer request. When, when the prayer request is wrong, God will often say, listen, church, No. If the timing is wrong, this is going to be hard for some of you. If the timing is wrong, write it in. God will often say, slow. Slow. Those of you who are parents and those of you who will one day be parents, I just want to let you in on something. The the worst word in the English vocabulary to a kid is no. The worst two words in the English vocabulary, second only to no. Is not yet. Parents, tell me, come on, go. You take out on a 500 mile trip. You're not even 15 miles from the house yet. Hello. And one of them says, Are we there yet? And what do you say? And they start weeping and moaning. And yet, another 200 miles, they, it's just, Are we there yet? Not yet. So your kid's birthday's coming up, and he or she sees it coming. Is it my birthday yet? Is it my birthday yet? And you say, not yet. And they hate it. Joshua, our little six-year-old, I told you about this a few years ago. Joshua, the dude loves Christmas. So all of November and all of December, he's constantly asking, is it Christmas yet? Is it Christmas yet, Dad? Dad, is it Christmas yet? Dad, can I open up a gift? Is it Christmas? And I keep saying, no, Joshua, not yet. And there's a few years ago, he's, Dad, I want it to be Christmas all year round. <laughs> now, now here, here's the point. Listen, there's a kid inside of all of us. And we can't stand not yet. We are a culture. And a people consumed with instant gratification. Beloved, we microwave Minute Maid rice. (laughs) We like our children when God doesn't give us our prayer request. It might be a little more sophisticated than our kids, but really, not really. God, I want it now! Right now, God. And then we start getting mad with God. Because God is not working on our timetable. We want it now. Well, the truth is we actually wanted yesterday, God. And there is great maturity in coming to the realization, listen, listen, that often God wants us to just wait on him. Often God is trying to teach us something, listen, in the process 
Again, if you're taking notes, oh my, write this down. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. It is essential for you and I to understand that God is often not saying no. He's simply saying not quite yet. Never, beloved, never, never, never put a period where God is putting a comma. And never put a comma where God is putting a period. Often his answer is not no. It is not necessarily a denial. It is simply a delay. And yes, we pitch a fit about it. And yes, we get upset about it. But the reality is, listen, in case you didn't know this, God's ways are higher than your ways. God's thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And for those of you who know the Bible, you know the verse that I'm referring to. Why don't we read it out loud? We haven't read scripture together. Here we go. My thoughts are not, neither are my ways, your ways, declares the Lord. Let's continue, church. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts then, do you see it? Beloved, you might think you're all wise, and you you probably are a wise person. But even in your wisdom, God's ways are so much higher than your ways. His, His thoughts are so much higher than your thoughts. You, you and I, we are creature. God is creator. There is a huge difference. God is often saying to us, hey, I'm going to grant you your prayer request, but it's on my timetable. Like, I remember when I first became a Christian, October 23rd, 1988. I don't know why this was the case for me, but it was like a switch cut on. When I became a Christian at the age of 18 years old, there were a couple things that I knew very, very clearly. Number one, I was a sin sinner about to die going straight to the pits of hell, and God saved me. Secondly, I don't know why. Again, I don't know why this happened, but I just knew right away that I wanted to get married. Like, I, I don't know. I need to maybe unpack that a little bit. What was my problem? Why did I want to get married so quickly? And I knew that I wanted to have a bunch of kids. I mean a bunch of kids. Again, I don't know what my problem was, but uh, that was either God or I had some problems. But like I knew I, I wanted to get married and I wanted to have lots of kids. And so I was in high school. I know 18 is a little late for high school, but I had, a, I had some trouble getting through there. Um, <laughs> I was only in the 11th grade at 18 years old. Now I'll get you some of that. Um, uh, so I, I'm in the 11th grade and I know I want to get married and I know I want to have a bunch of kids. And so I, I'm on the hunt, baby. I'm on the hunt. I am, I'm, I'm trying to date, and I'm trying to date good girls, godly girls, uh, met a high school sweetheart, if you will, uh, thought I was in love. She went off to college, and within a few months, dropped me like a ton of bricks. Like, ooh, see ya. And, and so there I was in that. Then I was starting to date again. So I went through University of South Carolina in undergraduate. I was dating a lot, and I was utterly disappointed. Like, it was like bad date, single person. Can you, can you relate? It, I see some hands popping up. <laughs> Dude, it was like bad date after bad date after bad date. And I would drop them off and I would say, thank you, Lord, that's over. And, but then I would ride home and struggle with why God wasn't answering my prayers. 
And, and then five years later, um, I went to Duke, and the first day of classes, I met my wife, Amy Lynn, in the bookstore, and I wasted no time, beloved. I waste, by, by like a few months later, I'm at her parents' house in Florida asking them if they will let her marry me. And, and her dad said, come on, we need to fix the horse fence. And so we went outside and he worked my butt for two days straight on building a horse pasture fence. And I was, he was going Old Testament on me, if you know the story of Jacob. And he's, it was like crazy. Well, so, so but like, I, I, finally, like five years later, Now, five years is one thing. I know people who have waited 15 years for God to show up. I know people who've waited 50 years for God to show up. And since I'm talking about slowness and time, I might as well just unpack for you the reality in this. There's a there is a very real possibility that some of the prayers that you're struggling with, and I know this is not good news, you're not gonna go, yay, amen. But there's a very real possibility that some of our prayers that we think don't go or don't get answered will actually only be seen for all that they are in light of eternity. Again, see, I didn't get any amens out of that. I know. Thursday of this week, if you were with me at 4 p.m., I was gathered around the gravesite burying a new hope little baby boy like little baby boy when the family had prayed that he would make it and if you were with me at eight o'clock that night guess where you would have found me you would have found me at the bedside of a new hoper been coming here five years now who's 40 years old who just three weeks ago at work went to pick up a printer, felt something pull, thought it was just a pulled muscle, but it didn't go away. And within about four or five days, his wife insisted that he go to the doctor, at which time he did, and they found and removed, thus the reason I was at the hospital with him Thursday night, a five-and-a-half-pound cancerous tumor that has metastasized and he is in stage four cancer. How do you make sense of that? And the unfortunate reality is that I can't fully make sense of that. I wish I could. But I can't. But I still know that I know that I know that God is good. And that God loves him and her. And God is going to answer this with a miracle on this side of eternity. Or God will answer it with a miracle on the other side of eternity. And sometimes we don't get to choose what that is. The question is not whether God can do a miracle. 
The question is often whether or not God will do the miracle. And often we will not see the miracle and it will not make full sense on this side of eternity. And we are so consumed with instant gratification. We are so consumed with the here and now. And beloved, we can't even hardly imagine eternity past. Infinity past? And if infinity present? And we're just a, we're just a blink. I mean, we're just a dot on the, on the long spectrum of eternity. And it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily help the pain. It doesn't necessarily help the confusion. It doesn't necessarily help our, our angst, if you will, with God at times. By the way, you, it's okay to be honest about it. One of the greatest saints in the early church that I loved and studied in seminary was St. Teresa of Avila. One of the reasons I loved St. Teresa of Avila was because she was, she was authentic enough and transparent enough to shake her fist at God at times. Say, I don't like that, God. She never got sacrilegious. She never, she never sinned in it, but... But listen, God is God and he can take your struggles. And you can be honest about it. Maturity, listen, maturity means that you and I grow in the ability to say in God's time. In God's time. In God's time. God, I don't understand it. God, I don't like it. But in your time. Why why don't you try it with me? In God's time. Again, in God's time. Some of you need to just say that right now about something you're dealing with. Ready? In God's time. One more time. In God's time. Isaiah 40, 31. I know you know this verse. But maybe you've never thought about it in light of this subject. But those who... Those who what? But those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like... Oh, you want to read it. I love it. Ready? Go. But those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I think God is far more concerned with the development of my character and my perseverance and who I am as a man of God and who I am as a husband and who I am as a dad. He's far more concerned about those things than he is meeting my little timetable. So if your request is wrong, God will often say, what? No. If the timing is wrong... God will often say, slow down. If you are wrong, I know it's hard for you to imagine. I know, I know. But if you are wrong, God will often say, write it in, grow. If you are wrong, if if I am wrong, God will often say, grow. Our ways are not God's ways. We don't fully understand. And often he's trying to develop us. Maybe you've heard about this little story. It's quite quite humorous. It reminds me of a man who was sizing God up. And he said, God, how long is a million years to you? How long? God, tell me. God said, a million years is like a second. Then the dude said, well, well, God, tell me me this. How's a million years? The man said, how much is a million dollars? I just got off track. How much is a million dollars? And the guy said, a million dollars is like a penny. 
The man said, well, could you spare me a penny? And God said, wait a second. He's trying to grow us, beloved. Sometimes we just get it wrong. Sometimes our motives are messed up. And isn't it a lot easier? Come on, just own your stuff. I got to own my stuff. Isn't it a lot easier to point our finger at God and blame God than often realize that the problem is me? And the problem is often you. I've been talking to a lot of people over the years about unanswered prayers. One of the big subjects that come up time and time and time again. I don't think I can recall ever having someone say, you know, pastor, God's not moving that mountain. And I'm, in, I'm still in the midst of the storm. But you know what, pastor? I think I'm the problem. I, I don't think I've ever heard that. Normally, it's God. He's the problem. Or, we're good at this, it's somebody else. We, we play the blame game. It's the ex. Or it's the kid. Or it's the boss. <laughs> or it's the pastor. You know, it's, it's one of those things, but it's never me. In the Bible, again, another biblical example. In the Bible, if you look at Luke 9, you can read it later, starting in verse 51. In Luke 9, Jesus and the disciples were trying to get through Samaria. <laughs> and they were denied their travel permit, if you know what I mean. Hacked the disciples off. I mean, they were hacked off. And the disciples said to Jesus, hey, we got an idea. Jesus, why don't you just torch that town, torch that city, torch that area of Samaria with fire from heaven? And Jesus basically said, your prayer request is wrong. I didn't come to do that kind of thing. Another biblical example, men, husbands, husbands, right, are you with me? Or guys who will one day be husbands? Husbands, watch this verse, 1 Peter 3. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Grant them honor so that your prayers won't be hindered. See it? Now, ladies, you don't get off here. It works vice versa. Don't, don't be elbowing your husband. Don't be writing that one down real quick to tell it to him later. See how the way in which you live can what? Hinder your prayers? I encourage you to go home and read the book of Malachi. Short little book in the Old Testament. Last book before you get to the New Testament. Malachi, right before Matthew. In Malachi, God had made it clear to them throughout the Old Testament. And in Malachi, you are to bring your best lambs, your best crops. You are to bring your best animals for sacrifice to me. You are to bring your tithes, your 10% of everything that you have into my storehouse. Remember this? And in Malachi, what happens, if you know the backstory to Malachi 3 and 4, is that in Malachi, they were actually taking their best to the market to get top dollar for it. And they were bringing God, not their best, but their worst. And God says in Malachi, you are stealing from me. You are stealing from me. You want me to bless you when you are not honoring me with your life and integrity. God says, test me in this. Honor me with your life and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and bless you. The point, beloved, that I'm making over and over and over is, is where is our integrity? 
Our vision around here is to reach, teach, and release. Release what? Fully devoted followers of Jesus. Not complacent note takers. Not people who are playing religious games. Not people who kind of show up on Sunday and give God a little something, something. But the rest of the week they thumb their nose at God and say, forget you, God. Integrity, holiness, a life of discipleship. Listen, church, it matters. And often while we're so busy shaking our finger at God or complaining about another person or complaining about this or complaining about that, often the best thing we can do, beloved, is pick up a mirror One more example. Just lots of scripture today. David says this in the Psalms. Come and listen. All who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. I cried out to him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. Listen. Oh, don't miss this. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and heard my voice in prayer. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. So one of the best things you can do if you've got big prayers in your life is, is examine your life. One of the best things to do if you got prayers that you're lifting up to heaven, but you sense a kind of resistance from heaven, and God's not like showing favor to you in that particular situation, examine your life. Check your motives. Like, guys, here's what, here's what I've actually started to believe and practice in my own life. If there's sin in my life, personal, I mean, attitudinal, uh, whatever, leadership-wise, what, what, thought life, heart life. If there's sin in the camp of Benji, listen, listen. I don't even assume that God's going to answer my prayer. Like, I don't even begin to pretend like God is going to show up and answer my prayer. Because of these principles that I'm showing you in Scripture. If the truth were known, often the only obstacle standing in my way of receiving God's favor and blessing, and might I just say maybe in your way, of receiving God's favor, God's blessing, God's miracle in your life, the only obstacle often is me. And, and you. Like I'm not up here throwing stones at you, beloved. I'm just preaching to you my own stuff. My own discoveries as I've walked with Christ for 22 years. The requests aren't always wrong. Most of them are probably right because you're good-hearted people. You want to know God. You want to serve God. The timing isn't necessarily the big problem. You know what I've discovered? God's not really that big on timing. God, God, I don't think timing is that important to God. It's there, as I've already mentioned, but I think more important to God is the development of his son or daughter in holiness. And integrity. But when we're wrong, God says, come on, come on, come on, come on. Grow up. Grow up. 
You want me to strut my stuff in your life? You want to you put yourself and position yourself under the fountain of God's favor? Grow. Put that sin away. It's the only thing standing in the way. Change your attitude on this or that. Stop that practice. And you know what I'm talking about. It just came to your mind just as soon as I said it. Stop that practice. Get off the merry-go-round. Reconcile the relationship. Soften up your spirit. Repent. Like literally, turn from your sin and follow me, Jesus says. Come on, grow, 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 grow. It's the only thing standing in the way, beloved. For those of you who are very observant, you notice that this fall, we're in, I mean, we're in a discipleship season. I'm, I'm pressing us to grow up. That's what the circle maker has been all about. Next week, big Sunday. You don't want to miss next Sunday, man. We're going to be standing alone. We're going to look at Garner, Sanford. We're going to, it's, it's one of those messages that, that you just do not want to miss next week. It's already done. But the following week, we're starting a series called Shift. Shift. I got to watch how we say that. Shift. Shift. S-H-I-F-T. Shift. There it is. There it is. Somebody, somebody said we ought to make the subtitle Shift Happens. I said no. <laughs> but what we're going to be talking about is accelerating life change. We're going to be talking about, listen, because maturity in the Christian life is a lot about just making shifts. Making shifts from me to him. Making shifts from me to you. Making shifts in my... It's a, it's a series of maturity and shifts that bring about this favor and this blessing that I'm talking about. And so if you, if you sense this resistance from heaven, examine your life. Grab the mirror. And here, here's the last thing. Oh, when the timing is right... When all these things are right, the motives are right, the request is right, and the timing is right, God will often say, let's go. Notice he didn't say, I go and you stay. When the timing is right, when the heart is right, when the life is right, when the integrity matches what I say, when I not only say I'm a believer, but I actually walk the walk. When I do that, when all those things line up, God often says, let's go together. Not you stay and rest on your blessed assurance. But you get in a, in a relationship with me, that one-two dance like I talked about a few weeks ago where I'm walking with God and I'm hearing God and God's hearing me. And we've got this, this beautiful dance going on where we're working in unity and alignment together. That's why I said a few weeks ago, beloved, I often pray like it all depends on God, but I work like it all depends on me. And when I do that, there is a coming together, if you will, between a beloved believer, a son and daughter of God, and God. And we start having this relationship where I position myself under his fountain of favor. And the miracles and the work that God starts to unleash in my life. Beloved, there's no sweeter way to live. There's, there's, this, this is what John 10.10 10 says when it talks about the abundant life. Let's... Let's go. Let's, 
Let's roll. Let's do this thing called life together. Get out of the way. Live for me. Surrender everything. Give it all you got. And watch us dance through life where I do things that you would never even imagine. Immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. Ephesians 3.20. Walk with me. Get in this rhythm with me. Get your heart right. Your life right. Your timing right. Trust me. And you'll see. That I'm a God who still answers prayer. The greatest example of this, I believe, in the scriptures is Jesus himself giving us the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. I want to do a series one day on the Lord's Prayer and and do it not just looking at the words of the Lord's Prayer, but actually looking at the structure of the Lord's Prayer, the flow of it. And I've decided, and we've orchestrated worship this way today. I've decided that I want to end today in a unique kind of way. I want to end with us actually reflecting together in prayer on the tenets, if you will, the structure of the Lord's Prayer. This has been an amazing five-week series. Amen? It's blessed the the Garner community of faith. It's blessing the NCCIW. It's blessing those on the internet. It's it's been a great series. Let's end it, what do you say, in a prayerful way. Let's end it focusing our thoughts, our lives, our hearts on the Lord's prayer. So why don't you, if you, you don't have to do this, but why don't you if, you, if you feel led in this moment, to just get comfortable, bow your head, close your eyes, and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Think about the Lord's Prayer. Our Father. The Lord's Prayer. Jesus himself started the Lord's Prayer with, with these two words. Our Father. I want to encourage all of you in your individual prayer lives to to actually approach God as your father and you as his child. Don't ever forget, beloved, how God feels about you. He is fatherly towards you. And don't mess up the, the human relationships of father with how God is with us. He couldn't have a greater love for you than he already has. Don't forget who he is. He's your father. And don't forget who you are. You are his child. As a child of God, why don't you just pray to your father right now? Why don't you pray about the unanswered prayers that you've experienced or the burdens that happen to be on you right now. Commune with your God right now in this moment of silence.
Thank you for being Father. Thank you for adopting us as your children. The next phrase is, who art in heaven. That simple phrase reminds us that God is sovereign, that he is majestic, that he is omnipotent, and nothing is too difficult for him. He is a God in heaven. He is the mountain mover. He is the storm soother. He is the mountain mover who walks into our lives and and moves those obstacles that stand in the way. He is the one who enters into our storms. And sometimes he, he calms the storm, but sometimes he soothes the soul in the midst of the storm. Oh, beloved, fix your eyes on God's ability, not on your mountain. He is in heaven, but he hears us on earth. Continue to share what's on your heart. The needs and the deepest desires that you have. The sins that need to be confessed. Our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed. Hallowed be thy name as you mature as a Christ follower beloved make sure that your prayers include worship don't let your prayers degenerate into a grocery list for personal purposes always include praise hallowed be your name God you are worthy you are father God thank you for sending Jesus the exact replication of who you are In all of your glory, in all of your splendor, in all of your holiness. Let him know what he already knows, but what you need to be reminded of, beloved, you are creature. He is creator. He sits on the vault of the earth. And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, the Bible says. Get your prayers in the right perspective. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What Jesus is saying there is is have a submissive spirit. Say, Lord, may your will be done first in my life, above and beyond my prayer request. May your will be done. May your will be done in my marriage. May your will be done in my marriage, my family, my career, my ministry, my money, my body, my sexuality, my relationships, my church. May your will be done. In the nation, 
and in the world. God, my life is in your hands. I resurrender it all to you. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus is saying, let your request be made known to God. Jesus is saying, none of your concerns are too small. Your big concerns, your small concerns, all of your concerns, lay them out before me. Lord, I want to talk to you about such things. I need your help. Sometimes I don't know if I can get up and make it another day. I need a miracle. Register your heart's requests with God. Don't shrink back. Remember, He is fatherly with you. And any good father loves for their son, loves for their daughter to let them know the desires of their heart. The Bible says that God loves to meet the desires of our hearts, beloved. His bend is not against you. His bend is to bless you. He wants to desperately pour out His favor on your life, but, but His holiness will not allow Him to break some of these principles that we are talking about today. Give us, God. Give us our daily bread. Physical, spiritual, emotional, daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us. When was the last time you've just laid your list of sins before God? It's a daily call, beloved, to come before a holy God and say, here's where I've blown it, God. Here's where I need you, God. My thoughts, my actions, my heart. Make sure you're not the obstacle, beloved. Receive forgiveness through prayer. And when you rise from that, live with a forgiving spirit toward others. Become like Jesus. Generous. Loving. Holy. Confess your sins right now. Just, just have a moment to confess your sins. Between you and God, you don't need an earthly priest the Bible says Jesus is your great high priest. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Pray for protection from the evil one. Pray for, for protection for yourself, for your loved ones, for this church, please, for me, for the world. For the upcoming presidential election. Pray for protection from the evil one and victory over temptation. There is a spiritual battle taking place, beloved. Kingdoms are clashing. 
And the enemy is trying to steal and kill and destroy your soul. Pray against him. Ask God to deliver you. Oh God, we pray for our upcoming election. Oh God, move in the midst of our country. We have, we have fallen so far away from you, Lord. Would you have your way? Would you move? Would you call us back to you? For thine is the kingdom. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Maybe you, you began your prayer with worship. Hallowed be thy name. Now you end it with worship. Jesus has given us a structure. When we come to God and pray, we start in worship and we end in worship. God, the kingdom is yours. The world is yours. The power in the world is yours. All the glory in the world is yours forever and ever. And you're a wonderful God. And I can't get over the fact that I matter to you. And you opened up access for me to talk to you through prayer. Thine is the kingdom. Thine is the kingdom. And the power and the glory forever. God, have your way. Have your way. And take this series that we've looked at, Father. And would you settle these seeds deep into the core of who we are? Would we be a people of prayer? Would we be a people that understand the nuances, the depth of a healthy prayer life? Believers who walk with you and talk with you and know you. Would thine be the glory now and forever. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at newhopenc.org. If you have any prayer requests, please send those to prayers at newhopenc.org. And our pastors and staff will stand with you in prayer. We hope you'll join us next week. God bless and thank you for being a part of our church family.